there's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC by Pilot House. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric Dick along with co-host Kyle Guilfoyle. It is Friday afternoon. We're in the middle of a company-wide fitness challenge. Uh, so these guys are taking a break from their busy uh, you know, calendar day of push-ups, squats, and sit-ups to talk about the creative process when it comes to D 2 C advertising. This, what we have here today, is the Pilot House Creative Brain Trust. Uh, we have Cam Wind, the creative director of Pilot House. We have Robin Holdsworth, who is uh, a creative designer, and we have Evan O'Gorman, who is a content manager and all of these guys just make sure that all of our clients ads look amazing. Uh, Cam is sort of at the head of the design team. Um, but obviously design is sort of the uns it's not the unsung hero. It's, it's the main hero of all that we do. You can have as many toggles as you want when it comes to advertising, but if your creatives aren't resonating with people, it's literally meaningless. So to start us off the top, who here has a design based value rocket that they can share with the audience? Just anything, any, anything that you'd, you'd, you'd give a little tip about what you'd be doing with your creatives this time of year, any kind of like high value tip. Ev, I'm going to, I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal yours. Ev. This is not design. I was going to so say I'll, it. I knew you were going <laughs> to I'm going to steal. Okay, Rob, I'll leave all of the nice looking design stuff to you, Robin. I'm going to steal one of Evan's books. Hey, you could have gone first. All right. So if you're a brand, you're an agency, you're an advertiser, whoever, Everyone's thinking about sexy, polished creatives that you can make this time of year leading into the Christmas time. Like the simplest hack for something that we can make work, just take a photo of like a box or your distribution center or a bunch of your products in a pile. Just like affiliate as you think it might be, it totally works. Your customers dig it. Um, it's super effective. Let's dig in wh why that is. Is, is. is it that sort of idea of behind the scenes or building in public? People like to see the inner workings of the machine. I mean, totally. Like, I, Ev, I think we actually hand this off because I know, like, with one of our clients, like, you've done a lot of work. Not only, not only with just like photography of of like stuff in boxes, whatever, but actually going a step further and showing what the team looks like behind the scenes, like the team behind the packaging, kind of like adding a little bit of personality to the brand. I think there's actually a couple layers to it that Ev could probably speak to. Yeah, it actually wasn't the nugget I thought you were going to steal. So that's I'm totally fine with you saying that. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it's something that we've used on a few accounts now, and it's it's one of those things I've noticed where something you'll notice in like when you're look, when you're working with a lot of different clients in different industries is that different content works in different ways. Um, but this is something that we always see work really really well. Uh, top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, wherever you put it, it just seems to like nine times out of ten perform. Um, Again, going back to what Cam said, there is a lot of layers to it. Um, one of them is it gives that organic feel that UGC gives, right? So like people people see it and they don't really think that they're being hit with an ad immediately. Um, and that really that really uh, hits home in a lot of a lot of audiences. Um, another another layer that it hits is uh, urgency, right? So especially bottom of funnel, if you've already hit people with ads about your product and they then you start putting in this these imagery of like warehouses with boxes. Uh, of the product and you start hitting messaging like you know we're running out of stock like this is the last stock we have of this product that's like a really good way to hit that urgency without just saying you know you, you could just get a picture of the product and write urgency on it but i mean who, who's to say if that's if that's true right um 
It's that the, meta the, angle. It's that it's that I we always talk about the Chekhov thing about it. it's not don't tell me about the light of the moon. Show me it glinting off a glass, a broken glass on the sidewalk or whatever. So just showing another angle of you know, you've got this pristine these pristine product images, but then when you show what it looks like, first of all, you're pushing a large volume of these. That's the other aspect I'd imagine is it shows that, the, that a lot of people are buying the, these products, but also yeah, it layers in that just other perspective on the operation of the brand. And and the last thing to it as well, which I think really hits home for a lot of people is that it gives that like mystery. I, th- I think that's what really makes it work at top of the funnel. I was surprised with this one client we had um, and it crushed top of the funnel as well as bottom funnel. And I was really surprised. But then when I look back at it, it has that mystery aspect, right? It's like, what, what's in the box? It's like the film seven, right? When, when Brad, what's, what's in the box? What's in the box? I think that has a big play in it as well, because it does create curiosity and does create a really high CTR. That's awesome. Well, 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 why don't we keep the value rockets firing? Evan, I'm, I'm curious what uh, what you thought Cam was going to, what, what he was going to drop. So so this is something that I, 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 I gave over to you guys for, a, I think it was a DTC meme you ran a while ago. And that is the, the, the quote that somebody, it was actually a client said to us on a call, was that they were happy to let performance dictate the creative. Um, and that for me is, is possibly the biggest learning I've had in this industry. Um, and that's not to say that you can only have creative that's based on previous performance that's not to say that at all but you know letting that performance guide where you're putting your creative energy into and what your creative planning is is really really important and and what could you give us an example of what that what that looks like in practice um like what are some some practical examples of you know performance uh driving the creative so, so let's say, for example, uh, you are launching a new campaign, your new product is launching, something like that, something that's relatively new, um, whether it's a promo, whether it's a completely brand new ad account, uh, whatever it is. And let's say you have like five different concepts, shall we call them? Um, so like you've, you've five different types of creative that all look different and all feel different. And you run those, whether it's in a, a DCT or whether it's in some kind of battleground test, whatever that may be. And at the end of that, you see that one of those five, again, just just uh, you know, just picking numbers here, one of those five really stands out compared to the rest of them. When you're doing your second round or when you're starting to build out content that you want to really pump massive money behind and really try to scale whatever it is you're trying to sell, that there's no reason why that wouldn't be you know, your first priority for creatives moving forward on that, that winner, right? your audience, the people who you are advertising to, who you want to buy the product, which Facebook has already determined, they are responding to that creative uh, concept. So they're to, to ignore that and to like, you know, you should all, you should continue doing the others as well right? and testing new things. You know, you've got to be testing new things all the time, but to, to not put your priority from a scale perspective onto what's already worked before. I mean, that, that has to be what you do. Whereas, whereas maybe some of the brand owners are using preconceived ideas of the way they want their brand to look up. Do we have any examples of situations? Because I know, I, Robin, I'm, re, I'm looking at your points here too. And I know everything that we've ever done with you, uh, you know, Robin has done a lot of the design. He did the logo for, uh, for uh, D2C and DTC and, uh, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've done. And I know you put a huge amount of, uh, you know, importance on the, you know, of like polished quality assets, high amount of quality control. How do you, how do you balance that? And, and what do you, what do you say to clients? Have we ever had clients that won't go a, a, like a performative route, even though it's working really, really well because it's off brand? Like, does that conversation happen regularly? I wouldn't say regularly, but um, it, it does happen where uh, a client wants to have so many different 
things in their advertisement, right? And we only have 1080 pixels by 1080 pixels to show what we can, you know, convey to the audience in Instagram or Facebook. And uh, we have to kind of simplify things and make sure that we are displaying their product in a nice, polished, professional way. At the same time, we're stopping people from scrolling. And the way to do that with a simplified approach is you got to be really clever. And it's a challenge to be clever because we only have this little box to work with. So that's the main, the main goal, the main, main strategy. Stand out, appear clever. I feel like I, I've said this quote a million times that it's like one of my favorite. Um, I, I think like the worst thing that you can do as a brand owner, as an advertiser is like, just do everything perfect from a design perspective and just have no one notice. And it, it just instantly gets scrolled by. Like it's our, it's our job to either, either, I guess there's two things. It's we got to grab people's attention or convey value. And for us, our language on the creative side is conveying value through some kind of graphic or video through that one by one, you know, screen that we're giving people or ideally do both of those things at the same time. Um, but if, if we're working with brand owners who think like their brand is in this box, like Facebook is such a massive opportunity. And I think people don't necessarily understand that. Like we have the ability, our buyers have the ability is to toggle things on and off as needed. And if we experiment and push the limits as what they think their brand is or their product is, or like how it should be perceived, if we push harder on one angle and it works, like why the hell would you not chase that Avenue and push further down that road? If it doesn't work, like we can just turn it off. That's no problem at all. But at the end of the day, like we're, we're marrying like the polish and the design with performance. And like we we've seen stuff work and we're just going to continue to push. And so really just let the, the, the numbers back it up. Right. When, when you've got a situation where you're, you're going down an avenue, like I guess you're, ne you're never you're not pushing the boundaries to make clients uncomfortable in any way. Right. You're not you know, you're not you're, we're not pushing to that extent, but we still want to. Yeah. But you still got to stand stand out. It's an interesting conundrum for sure. Yeah. And like I was just, funny how I was just saying this to, to Ev in like a side conversation. Like I think. I think ugly and janky in my mind are like two different things. I think you can have performance-based creatives and I'm not saying we make ugly creatives. You can have performance-based creatives that someone might view as ugly, but that doesn't mean it's janky. Things are properly designed, like things are aligned, there's proper spacing. Like we of course can incorporate sloppy. all the, yeah, it's yeah. not a sloppy design. But we know like if you smash like some copy maybe over top of a product or over top of a watch or over top of whatever, like just going against what you might think is best practice. At the end of the day, people are going to be going through the feed and it's going to be like, well, what the hell is that doing there? But it's an intentional break of the design. So like it, you, ha you have to think about it when you're making this content. Yeah. And, and in fact, in, in my own experience, uh, I've, I've noticed that the stuff that is that seems the ugliest or seems like lowest production value often performs the best and and i'm i'm guessing you guys have seen you know sort of sort of both uh both both sides of the track um but like what why why is it that you so is it is it just because that you know things are designed properly that it that it works or or is it is it because it's like more native to the to the platform like why, why do you think that is sometimes that that creative that isn't you know super super polished uh performs better yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. I don't know if, you know, there's one one true answer to that question, but I think from an experience perspective, like people are, are, are 
are so used to just being bombarded with sponsored or advertised posts, like through their feeds, you need to find a way to break the noise. And if it's just a simple design choice that we use when making content, that's just a really simple way to approach creation of content that hopefully you can break that scroll pattern. And that's what we're often trying to do, especially top of funnel. If our job of top of funnel is just to grab clicks in an effective way, like why not try and hack those creatives and, and you know, grab their, grab their clicks that way, when we push them further down the funnel, maybe we start to move towards the other end of the spectrum. And it's really like conveying value with cleaner design and cleaner design choices, but it's like, it's constantly moving. And, I, um, yeah. and, and I remember, I remember a while ago, we were just experimenting by like, you know, uh, flipping the orientation of a creative and that, that for a while was working really well. I'm, I'm wondering if, um, you know, right now or in the last little while, if you guys have, have noticed any, any sort of creative hacks that you could share with the audience that have, that have been working. I, I like that one that we were posting. Like, I just, I just love staying in touch with the creative team, uh, you know, following the Slack because you guys are constantly sharing innovative ideas and innovative, like, hooks that you can try in your creatives. That one that, that I saw yesterday was that influencer who was taking those slow motion videos of dropping her phone. She was dropping the phone and then it was giving, like, a full shot of her body. And it's like you can kind of, uh, with, you know, with the clothes that she was wearing that she was promoting. And you can sort of, like, I, I see these things cropping up and then you'll see them in some of our ads. And it's, I love it when we can find interesting visual hooks or visual ideas that you can then see work across multiple ads. So you can still have this layer of, like, high-quality content, high-quality branded content. But you can throw in these elements, these hacky elements, uh, in order to sort of, like, attention hack in a way, right? Yeah, part of the fun is uh, experimenting. Like we have a lot of strategies that we use with our clients, but but initially when we get a new client, we have to gain their trust. So usually we start with simple polished ads that uh, are very branded and uh, are, go along with the, the guidelines that the brand has. Then a few months down the road, they give us the opportunity to experiment and that's where the fun begins. And uh, that's where you gotta be clever and, and uh, you know, sometimes these random approaches do really well. So when the, the client gets our trust, they're like, okay, well, you guys are doing a really good job so far. Let's try these random approaches that you're talking about. And more often than not, they get people taking a double look at the screen. Like, wait, what is that? When they're scrolling, you know, these scroll stopper ads. So that, that approach works usually further down the, the road after working with the client for a little bit, but it's a lot of trust. To, trust with the user and trust and trust with the client. It's all, it's all one big uh, continuum there. To, to add to Robin's point there as well, like that, that, that also has happened and works on the contrary as well, right? Like we might have a client who comes on or like, you know, you, you as a, somebody watching this, who has a brand and uh, working at an agency or whatever, like, like you might see that performance isn't there, right? Like you're, you're, you've just joined and like you're keeping things very close to brand guidelines, but the performance is not there. Um, you know, the click, your front end metrics, your click through costs, they're not there. Uh, and your, your, your back end stuff, your, your purchases and your ROAS isn't there as well. And that's another scenario where we've had those conversations with like, okay, the creative isn't working. Uh, but the creative that we're running is very, you know, it, it, there's not much variation. So let's, let's try something else. And again, back to Robin's point as well, like that, that will come to a stage where like, that that's when we'll be start we'll start to be allowed experiment as well with new new concepts and new uh, new formats. You so you guys have three different titles, uh, and I'm and you brought up some interesting things. You really brought up and I, I can brought it up earlier about really watching metrics. 
uh, a ROAS, click-through rate, all these things. And I feel like in some organizations, the, the, the connection between performance and creative is, is not very well established. I know with working some of, with some of the outsourced creative companies, that's a bit of an issue. You, you tell them what to do, you're going to get something back, but they're not, they're not looking into your funnel. They're not finding out. They're not innovating on always what's performing unless you're telling them exactly what to do. But I know that's something our team does well. How, how does our team work? How does, how does, how does performance data get translated to our frontline designers? Are they in that's the accounts great. themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, that's, it comes down to how we structured our teams. And this has been, you know, a slow burn ever since the beginning of Pilot House. But we basically have broken our creative team into kind of client facing roles and, and like creative killers in the background. And those client facing roles, like it's, it's, it's someone in a content manager position. And really like what their job is, is to be an extension of our, our clients marketing teams to understand the product, understand um, like, you know, the creative requirements, brand guidelines, all of these like more granular details that we need to deal with on the creative side, but then also collaborate with our media buyers. And that's that feedback loop that you're talking about. Um, so, I mean, every day, all of our content managers have access to ads manager. They go through a process with all, like all of our onboardings of our CMs, they go through a process where for the first month or two, they're either learning directly from a, you know, a senior content manager or going through blueprint or all the other resources that we have in the background. So it's almost like this hybrid of a media buyer and like a creative problem solver. And then what they do is they kind of take all of, all of the, the data from Facebook that often that they're getting from their buyers, as well as their own interpretations of the data, crafting creative tasks, and then sending them off to people that kind of are the unsung heroes that are working in the background. Like Robin, who we, we know we have, we have graphic designers, we have copywriters, we've got page builders, we've got video editors and designers, and they're actually building the content, but it's always like performance driven, right? Like we need we're identifying gaps or opportunities and we're chasing that. But I think that like with our most successful or our clients, like we always kind of allocate at least 20 to 30% of our time for CMs to be chasing new, new objects, new opportunities, whatever. If we're seeing other advertisers, other products doing a killer job, like how can we incorporate that into our own content strategy and building out new tickets with it, our designers? So that's kind of like the feedback loop. And then of course, like once things are built, we kind of pass things off to media buyers, they build up campaigns around them. And then it's almost like you like meet it on the other side, you know, they go through a couple of days of learning. We, we do weekly syncs with our media buyers. Um, you know, maybe it was launched on a Monday. Maybe we sync up on the next Monday and say like, how did this do? Did it shit the bed? Did it crush? Was there certain elements within the creatives that crushed? Maybe do we want to pull on certain threads? And it's this like never ending, like testing feedback loop that, you know, we have with our, with our buyers that seems to be working pretty well. And, and, and part of that is, is your, your creative uh, starts to take on a cadence or a velocity, right? Um, like how, is, are there best practices around what that velocity should be, or, you know, is it wildly different from client to client and how, like, how do you, how do you know, um, you know, how much, how much creative you need to be flowing in or what that cadence looks like? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it's like, a, it depends question and like, feel free to jump in on the other, because Rob, you guys probably have some good stuff on this too, but what do we start it's like clients a, out with? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like it depends. Like when when with our new clients as they float through onboarding, it's kind of like full court press, if you will, like on content. The velocity of content that we're pushing into Facebook is is super high. Like, 
you know, it's a, it's a lot of content. I don't know if I have an exact number on some of the stuff we're making, but it's, you know, 30, 40, 50 different pieces of creative within a month that we're pushing into some of these clients. And it's just a battleground for the first, you know, one, two, three months that we're working with them. And we kind of land on some evergreen content pages, et cetera, that we know we can lean on. And then we kind of get lighter on, um, the testing and, and start thinking about a broader picture, like what new, what new opportunities can we chase, et cetera. But it's, it's, it depends. Interesting. Anything to add there, Robin, you were going to start, you were basically going to say the same thing. No, I was, I mean, I totally agree with Cam, but, uh, for a designer, uh, one of her, you know, best strategies is, uh, throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. But at the same time, we strategically throw the spaghetti on the wall, right? We don't just randomly choose, you know, if we're going to use a UGC uh, influencer for uh, a watch company, we're not going to hire a carrot top or something, you know, we, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but, you never know um, with carrot top. He might work. He might, he might be ready to come back into culture. You never know. Yeah. We, we gotta, we gotta follow some, some guidelines as well with the spaghetti on the wall. But, um, you know, one of the, one of my favorite parts of this job is to not just see what works, but to also make the brand and the company and the owners of the company look really good on Facebook or Instagram. And when we get um, someone coming back to us and saying to the media buyer, or the content manager, like, I can't, believe, I can't believe you guys made this ad. It looks so great. Like not only did it crush, but we look so awesome to the rest of the world. And thank you very much. So when we hear that, or when I hear that, that gives me goosebumps. So love hearing that kind of thing. It gives me a lot of drive to keep uh, doing cool things in the future. I love it. I love, I love like one of our clients is a, uh, a home, a home apparel or home accessories company, let's say. And I'm interested in your creatives on that room because I see the creatives come out and it's like the, the, the room you're, you're just basically showing this, this piece of, of, of home housewares on a backdrop with cool colors, with cool lettering. And it's nothing revolutionary, but it's like, you seem to be able to innovate sort of week in, week out, month in, month out, all just with like different color palettes and different light profiles. And it's all very subtle stuff. And it's nothing, but it, it, it all stands out really well. And it all, all appears to be doing quite well. Can you talk a little bit about that sort of like that creative process of always finding like the new, new kind of like the, the new really cool thing? Yeah. I mean, when, when we're throwing the spaghetti against the wall, uh, strategically, like we have to have our, our design fundamentals in place, right? Like we have to understand what padding is. We have to understand what alignment is. We have to understand what centering things or justification means. And when we're doing these random approaches, sure it looks random, but it's still pleasing to the eye because we've done it properly with these fundamentals in mind. So without getting into the, you know, without getting into the fundamentals of what they are, um, I use the, this approach on all of my designs so that you, you're still looking twice, but it's still, there's still no eye strain when you're looking at it. Interesting. Like just, I'm, I'm looking at an ad library and like, it's like a really simple hack as like an extension of what Robin's talking about, like something that's often under look 
underlooked, like negative space. Like if you just take your image, if it's a one by one, just shrink it 20% and you've got a bar of negative space around your image, just like instantly, that's gonna be a little bit different than having a full, like an image full bleed all the way through. Like just that little subtle adjustment, or maybe you like shrink it 20% and then there's a certain element of the photo that kind of extends beyond the image. So it looks like there's some depth to your image. Like that, just that simple design hack, like, well, I can yeah. almost guarantee you'll just immediately boost creative performance. Exactly. Like we could have an animation in a story where the story ends and we know ways to draw the eye down so that it looks at shop now or learn more or different call to actions. I enjoyed one that you guys posted, uh, someone, you know, posted this sort of template that showed you know, you basically just looked at an image. Maybe we'll include it in the show notes here if I can find it. But it was like, you will read this first, then you will read this, then you will read this. And it's such an interesting thing to go through because you actually literally are reading it and you don't for a second do, you do exactly what it tells you to. And you realize that's naturally where your eye flows. You really have to learn that fundamental of where to put what information where, I guess, right? And is that a feeling thing or is that is that a, a textbook thing? Textbook. Can, like, can you tell us? <laughs> like, is it too long to get into? Is it like, what, like, what? Oh what is... man, um, I've been I've been put through design boot camp, and uh, it takes years to nail this stuff down. So, um, right now, with with our designers on our team and our video editors and animators, we're all we're we're teaching them the fundamentals, and it takes time, and uh, we still um, are are learning more and more of what is going to create eye strain and what is going to be vis visually aesthetically pleasing so um i like it yeah it's it's hard to talk about within a few minutes of what these uh basics are but every, every designer needs to know them when they're working with something that's such a small area that we have and well I, you know and and just before before we wrap up i'd, I'd Love to hear like where are your favorite places to go, your favorite resources. Uh, you know, wh where could our audience go to uh, to learn? Um, you know, to to maybe create their own little uh, creative boot camp. Do you guys have some favorite favorite spots, favorite resources? I don't have any off the top of my head. Um, design school is great. Uh, I learned through mentor mentoring or having a mentor. I think any designer coming into the field. I would 100% suggest volunteering for an agency and getting your, your feet wet. And uh, if you can just grab somebody a coffee, maybe they'll show you a couple of tips. You know, there are years and years that people need to go through for this design bootcamp until they really understand the fundamentals, but um, they're crucial for making ads stand out. I'm no designer, but I like a website called Palatun, which just gives me give it, it. You just put in a color, and it shows like it has all these different spectrums that show all the different colors that kind of work with that color. And I, I've had a lot of success just sort of being able to yeah make things look decent just by using like the mathematics of color a little bit. I know Robin, you use color so much. Like, what is it? Is it a feel thing? Do you use tools like that for that, or are you just sort of like going like going by what what feels right? Just what I've learned from uh, other mentors. These secret um, books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, the cool thing is, uh, sorry, Cam, is, is just that you go through, you can go through Pinterest or you can go through uh, Instagram and, and follow these other designers and like, look at what they're doing and what is, what are they doing right and understanding contrast, hue, saturation, um, visibility and all these different things. Try to try to understand why these colors look great together. 
because they make me. Yeah, I was gonna say like some some really easy like things to look up just like on Instagram like UI Grady like is a great resource through Instagram and like if you just like hit the little toggle and all the other suggested accounts I guarantee you'll you'll find like ten more that are along the same lines as UI Gradient that's a great resource. Um, one that I found super helpful when it comes to like, again, more like UI design, Refactoring UI is a great book um, that I would suggest to anyone. There's lots of good content in there to, to check out. But it is worth noting, like the design that we're talking about, of course, like needs the fundamentals that Robin and like we're discussing. But I feel like we've stepped into this like weird niche, like performance design category that like not a lot of people talk about. So like, just like, I can't help but su suggest to people who are, who are looking to get more info on this stuff, like go find like the top 10, top 20, top 30 advertisers, brands, et cetera, that you're striving to be. And like, go look at what they're using for Facebook ads, Instagram ads, replicate a lot of their best practices. Like, cause that's like, that's what's working. Um, and then of course, like groups like Facebook ad creatives only or other, other Facebook kind of like groups that are collecting people or like-minded people specifically for like performance creative, like that, those are great resources. Another thing as well, like is try, especially if you're a DTC brand and, and especially if you're kind of like just starting out or you're kind of in that sort of like bringing it from 10 to hundred or whatever, uh, stage in your in your growth like, like don't be don't feel like you don't have the resources available to you for creative output right like like some of the biggest things one of them being iteration right so just going back to what you you, you point out there robin's designs uh, for that homeware uh, brand and like you know the color changes like if say for example you wanted to you you know you're at the early stages of a new campaign new product and you just want to like throw content out there in a d in a, in a dct battleground whatever um like like iterations can be as simple as having like let's say for example you have a, a an image concept for example that that has proven to work and you want to try and find more variations of that to work right simply like you know changing changing colors on it changing a cta on it like you could you could make like 10 different images you can make 20 different images from one image and that ability to like just rapidly produce uh iterations of something that's worked before it's not you know it's not rocket science yeah. That's the key. In a lot yeah, of Evan and I have uh, worked for a, com a company and um, they have, you know, a countless amount of uh, products that are different colors. And with every different ad that we create for the different product that has a different color, we change the background so that the color is consistent with the product. So immediately the product doesn't stand out from the background, but the eye loves consistency, especially when it comes to color. So when, when you look at the ad, you see the product, you see the consistency with the color in the background and text and, and other things. And it might give you an opportunity to make this, maybe you want the text to stand out more. So you have the text be white on top of this red while the background is red, the, the product is red and maybe the footer is like a, a different type of red and you want the copy to say 15% off now and uh, have a call to action or something like that. But the, using the consistencies in the, uh, in the ads is, is a big help.
I love it. I have one final question if you guys have time. Uh, on the media buying side, we always like to talk about this concept of surfers on the wave. So we're going to test different bid strategies just to have another another surfer on that wave that that might work that day. They get reset after the end of the day and they get they go out on the wave again, consistently wanting to have as many different feelers on the wave as possible. Is that true with creative as well? And so when we start an account, I'm wondering like what do we always, do we have formulas that we're going to do? Okay. We're going to do some image ads. We're going to do a video ad. We're going to do some UGC. Like, do we have, you know, in terms of surfers on the wave, how many bases do we cover when we're looking to kind of take on an account in terms of kinds of creative Evan, maybe? Yeah. I mean, in my experience, like it, it very much depends on where an account is at and it's, in its life, right? Like if we, if we take on an account that's existed for three years, you know, it has three years of, of creative data in there if, you know, depending on their creative performance. And uh, if it's, if it's a very young account, a very new brand or whatever, very fresh, very cold pixel, uh, you know, try, trying to just test like concept test, right? Like try to just think of every single like, you know, form, like creative format, whether it's like a video a static, uh, uh, and then like go into, you know, UGC, polished images, um, you know, founder stories, uh, 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 like, you know, you could have like explainer videos, whatever it is, trying to just get as much out as possible very early on, and then being able to see that early data come in um, and iterate where you start seeing those early wins. I don't know if that really answers. I love it. But at scale, are we still, are we just running the kinds of creative that work best? Or are we always testing new surfers on different parts of that wave? always testing oh, new yeah, stuff always, um, for sure yeah, yeah like like the, the the iterations kind of become your your foundation and your like baseline your, your your control effectively right so like we'll be bringing in new concepts new angles new ideas to test against our control um and that will depend on the funnel as well like if we have a top of funnel angle that crushes let's bring in new angles and test it and see how it performs against the control i love it have you guys heard any of the rumblings on facebook side about them limiting the number of creatives that they're going to allow it to be tested? I have seen some posts internally about it. I don't think it's affected anything too, too much yet. No. But uh, no, <laughs> I feel like as, I, I'm not sure what's going uh, on. But yeah, it's yeah. a bit creepy. As, as from what I've heard of it, and you know, this is just from what I've heard about it, it's, it's very much, it's, it's not going to be too, uh, too uh, it's not going to be that like bad a thing. Yeah. Uh, or too disruptive from what i've seen it's more just like you know ju just stopping people from running a ton of ads that are not getting spent effectively um, especially in like a dct or something like that well that's good to know you've, you've set my fears aside uh i want to thank you all for coming on the ddc podcast today this was a great all killer no filler and how many push-ups who's who's winning the push-up challenge in just this group here oh god <laughs> definitely definitely robin what are you at robin I'm uh, I think I'm at 380. You're, you've done 380 push-ups? Yeah. Hell, well, well done. Apparently, yeah. apparently, Alex has done 782. Just for, for reference, we've got about three hours left in the contest, and we've done a collective, give or take, 4,000 push-ups. I've done, so the, I've done zero of those. <laughs> the hardest working creative team. But, but I, Evan, my favorite thing about you is you can plank indefinitely. I can plank indefinitely, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll do, a, we'll do a team plank next time. Thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, if you haven't already, go to d2cplus.com. If you want to know more about working with Pilot House, go to pilothouse.co uh, and get hooked up with the creative team here. We've got some interesting things I think we're putting together uh, in the new year regarding the creative team and your ability to work with us. We, we'll have some really cool announcements, I think, coming out soon. And yeah, thanks again. Have a great weekend, fellas. Thanks, guys.
Thank you. Yeah, thanks, 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 guys. Cheers.